Good morning. My name is Dave, and good to see everybody here uh, this morning. We've been going through for the last couple of weeks uh, as we kick off this fall, just a series in the Psalms, but mainly it's a series not on the Psalms, but on growing our hearts in intimacy with the Lord, growing in uh, just a hunger for the Lord and knowing the Lord, not with more information, but uh, knowing Him uh, spirit to spirit in our hearts. And uh, we've been teaching through a variety of Psalms, Psalm 138, Psalm uh, whatever Britain preached on the week before that, um, uh, teaching not for more information but revelation. And what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord highlighting to you? And this week we've been in Psalm 145 and there have been already a couple testimonies that have come, in, come out of this. And last week the kids were in Psalm 145 and just looking at the first three verses, and they were invited to draw something or write something that the Lord has put on their heart, and uh, there's a picture of uh, one kid's drawing. I don't know if you, you can make it all out. There's a, a king on his throne, kind of a small king, but a king nonetheless, and then this uh, young person with their proper position before the king, and it comes out of that verse where it says, my God, my king. It's absolutely beautiful. The Holy Spirit highlighting this to a young person down uh, downstairs when they were having church downstairs last week when we were up here. Another uh, picture was from Wednesday night. Uh, we talked about Psalm 145 with middle school and high school students and uh, one of the young men went home and typed up the attributes of God that we see in Psalm 145 and put this up on his mirror so that the first thing that he would think about in the morning is who the Lord is, that he's merciful, that he's good, that he's kind, that he's compassionate. I love that. And then last week, as we were going through Psalm 138, a college student who was going through uh, a hard time uh, did this in her Bible, which I believe is absolutely amazing. So colors in her Bible, and on Psalm 138, drew an octopus. And she said that uh, the tentacles of the octopus reminded her that God is uh, in every part of her life. And the verse that really stood out to her was, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. I love that. I love the power of the Word of God, and when combined with the Holy Spirit, how it illuminates uh, truth about who God is and His nature and His character to us individually, because I can get up here and share a message and say, hey, here's what I want to talk about. The amazing thing about God is He takes that through the power of the Holy Spirit and applies it to you and you and you and you and you and all in different ways, and it absolutely leads me to be mind-blown about the goodness and the greatness of God. And so today we're in Psalm 145, and I'm going to share a few thoughts in a little bit. But I want to do what Britain has been doing the last couple weeks and lead us into a practice. And I want to read Psalm 145. The words are going to be up on the screen. You can have your Bibles open in front of you. Or sometimes I just like to shut my Bible and just straight listen to the word uh, as it's read. And so I'm going to read Psalm 145. And I'm going to invite you just to uh, stop, pause at that verse that kind of you know, brings a check in your spirit. Like, huh, that's interesting. That's speaking to me. And as you do that, even throughout the week, like this week as I was in Psalm 145, I could not get past the first seven verses. And so if something hits you in verse two, feel free to stop listening and just focus on that and ask the Lord, why are you showing me this verse? And sometimes, you know, you might want to write that out or, or uh, paraphrase uh, scripture or whatever, but you don't have to read the entire psalm. Just read it until the Lord shows you something about himself and his goodness and his character and then worship him for that. So we're going to be in Psalm 145. I'm going to read it and just pay attention to what the Holy Spirit highlights to you from Psalm 145. And I heard from many of you this week, uh, you guys saying, oh, there's not a whole lot in this psalm. There's a ton. Psalm 145. 
I want to just pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, lead this time. Just trust that you're going to highlight things to us. And you're going to speak to us individually. And we praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Psalm 145. From David, it says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praises of the Lord. Let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. What I want you to do right now is take 30 seconds and turn to the person next to you or find a person that uh, you don't know. Introduce yourself. And share with them the one passage or the one thing from this psalm that the Lord highlighted to you. And why? Say, this is what the Lord highlighted to me and why. Go ahead, 30 seconds. Turn to the person next to you. Go.
All right. Wrap up your conversation. See, I had the privilege of sitting and doing that last week when Britton was up here, and I told him, I said, 30 seconds was way too short. We were just getting going, and I think uh, that happened again today. You guys were just talking with one another and sharing, and that's an amazing thing to hear. Uh, This morning, I want to look at Psalm 145, verse 5. That was the, the, the passage that the Lord kept drawing me back to this entire week. Verse 5. And it says this. It says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. You know, um, perspective changes everything. When we have our mind and our hearts focused on, on something and maybe something bigger than ourselves, perspective changes everything. I mean, last week it was 90 degrees and hot and humid, and this week it's 65, and we're like, oh, it's cold. You know, the hot, it feels so cold, and people are putting on jackets. Perspective changes everything, because in March, when it's 65, all of you are going to be out at the beach in the water. Yeah. Perspective changes everything. You know, the 80s were, 1980s were known for a lot of uh, interesting things. They were known for uh, big hair. Jeans that were tightly rolled at the bottom. Some music that was, meh, okay. Some music that was awesome. But one of the things that the 80s was known for, or wasn't known for, was a lot of attention to skin care. And I say that because in the 80s, I was a young man growing up in Southern California. And so my mom would send me outside and say, go out and play. And she wouldn't even think about putting any sunblock on me or or anything like that, I would have my shirt off and I'd be running around, playing, jumping my bike on these ramps that were questionable, uh, doing a bunch of fun stuff. And I would come in and my back would just be fried and my arms would be fried. And then I remember going uh, on my senior uh, trip to the beach and there I sat at the beach and just got fried. And this was a pattern of my life where I would get burnt and then I would peel and get burnt and then peel and get burnt and then peel over and over again. Well, as I got older, my doctor looked at me and said, meh, probably wasn't the best decision back in the 80s. He says, I want to send you to a dermatologist, and I want to have uh, you just checked out on a yearly basis. And so I went to the dermatologist, and the dermatologist looked over my skin and and found this one little spot that was on my arm. And she goes, ah, that one's not that big of a deal. It's clear, but I don't like the looks of, of it, so just to be safe, I will take it off. She took it off, and the test results came back, and it tested positive for melanoma. And I heard those words. I actually got the news when I was running one morning, and the phone rang when I was listening to some music. The phone rang, and I decided to answer it, and the person said, yeah, your test results came back, and it's positive for cancer in your arm, skin cancer, melanoma. Well, that name or that word went through my head over and over and over again, melanoma, melanoma. And then I was brought back to a friend of mine who a year or so before I got diagnosed with that lost his son to melanoma. And I just started to think about that, think about that. Well, a couple weeks went on and they took out the spot in my arm and then I had another procedure and they even went deeper and there's a big scar on my arm. And then I went back for a checkup 
And I told my doctor, I said, I can't stop looking at all of these spots on my body, worrying about what's about this one, what about this one, what about this one. Those thoughts consumed my mind. My doctor looked at me and said something I'll never forget. He said, Dave, stop worrying and start living. I will take care of the spots. I will look at you every six months. You start living. My perspective in that moment shifted. Shifted from worrying about something that I couldn't even do anything about. I was looking at these spots thinking, okay, what about this one? What about this one? What was I going to do? Take a knife and just start cutting them out? I couldn't do anything about it. But I could trust the one who could do something about it. You know, the thing about worrying is interesting. It's, it's, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. But it doesn't really accomplish anything. It's like riding one of those rocking horses. I mean, it takes a lot of energy, but you'd end up getting nowhere. <laughs> Worry is a lot like that. And this week, as I was reading this passage in Psalm 145, verse 5, it blew me away that David, King David, the one who had so much responsibility, the one who was ruler of Israel, had people that were reporting to him, had, had issues that came up, had enemies and armies that were surrounding his country. What is the one thing that he chooses to think about? What are the things that he allows in his mind? Verse 5, he says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. David's saying, instead of all these responsibilities, instead of worrying about this, this, and this, I am going to allow the greatness and the glory of God to occupy the space between my ears. His wonder, his splendor, his majesty, that is what I'm going to think about over and over and over again. His relationships were complex. David had a lot of issues with family. And he doesn't say, I'm meditating on all the problems in my family. I'm meditating on all the things that are, are wrong with my kids or issues in my family. No, he says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous, your wondrous works, I will meditate. You know, what is meditation? What is David doing here? He's not emptying his mind of, of all thoughts. He's not just saying, getting away in some state just to think of, of nothing. No, he's occupying his mind and he's filling his mind on the splendor and the glory and the majesty of who God is and the wondrous works that David experienced himself. I love this quote from J.I. Packer from his book, Knowing God. He says this when it comes to meditation. He says, the activity, meditation is the activity of calling to mind thinking over, dwelling on, and applying the various things one knows about the words, ways, and wonder of God. It's clearing our minds and our hearts of our own thoughts of God and letting his truth make its full and proper impact on our minds and our hearts. And I really love this. Often, it's a matter of arguing with oneself, reasoning oneself out of moods and doubt and unbelief into a clear understanding of God's power and grace. I love that he said it's a matter of arguing with oneself, reasoning oneself out of moods because there are things that I can think of about God that aren't true. And so meditation isn't just like thinking of what I feel God is like. It's coming to scripture and saying, no, I may feel something, I may think God is this, but this is what his word says about himself. Meditation is arguing with ourselves, getting our minds into a proper frame of reference on God and his greatness and his glory. And David wasn't the only one to do this. Psalm 119, the psalmist says this, I will meditate, in verse 15, on your precepts, on your teachings, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. 
Another place in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes, on what you say. I mean, think about that. Even though there are, are people that are opposed to the psalmist, he said, I'm not going to think about my problems. I'm not going to focus there. Instead, I'm going to meditate on what you say. And then this one I really love, that of Psalm 119, verse 78. Let the insolent, let the rude person, the arrogant person be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. They have lied. But as for me, I will meditate on your precepts. The psalmist again says, I'm not going to listen to the lies that other people say about me. Instead, I'm going to listen and meditate and focus on the truth of who God says I am. And the Apostle Paul says this, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is deserving of worship, think about these things. What do you allow to occupy space in your mind? What do you think about over and over and over again? What are you even thinking about now? I mean, what, are, what thoughts are consuming your mind even right now? Are you thinking about this afternoon? Are you thinking about this week and all the problems and all the things that, are, that you're worrying about? Things that are coming up? What do you allow to occupy the space in your mind over and over and over again? One of the things that I have learned is that your mind can be your greatest weapon or it can be your greatest weakness. It can be your greatest weakness if you're consumed with thoughts about yourself. If I'm consumed with thoughts about myself, it is my greatest weakness because over and over again, I'm focusing on things that I don't have. I'm like, oh, I wish I had this or that in my life. I wish I had this thing or, or that thing. And when I focus on what I don't have, I end up complaining, oh, why am I in this situation? My mind becomes my greatest weakness if I'm focusing on my shortcomings or my sin or my failures. Because when I do, I compare myself. I know the junk that's in here and I start comparing myself to other people. And the truth is when I compare myself to, and what I know about myself to what I don't know about others, I always end up losing. Because I think, oh, I'm the only one who's struggling with this thought or that thought. And I don't know what you're thinking and you're thinking and what you're struggling with. And so when I'm focusing on myself, the end is like I just compare. And that never turns out well. Our minds can be our greatest weakness if we're focused on ourselves, but it can be our greatest weapon if we're focused on, the, on God and his glory and his majesty, just like David was. David said, I'm not going to focus on my problems. I'm not going to allow my mind to go in that direction. I'm going to meditate on the greatness and glory and power of the Lord, on his steadfast love, on his mercies that are new every morning. See, but your mind can even become a greater weapon when you turn just the meditation um, when your mind isn't just thinking and meditating on the Lord, but when it turns it into worship. Because our problems take their proper place when our lives are filled with praise. When our eyes are focused upward to the Lord. Because here's the thing. I don't want to minimize your problems. Your problems are real. What you're going through is real. I don't want to ever minimize that. I don't want to ever minimize my problems and what I'm going through. That is very, very real. But what I do want to do is maximize the one who is with us and who, the one who is leading us, the one who saved us, the one who created us, the one who is with us right now. Perspective changes everything. A couple weeks ago, I went to my doctor, the dermatologist again. There's a spot on my back, and she's like, nah, I'm going to lop that one off. And so she took a spot off my back and tested it, and that yeah, was another cancerous spot. Went to the doctor, had it removed, and that happened a couple weeks ago on a Thursday. 
And I'll just tell you this. Moran Park, you are a very friendly community. And often, like on a Sunday, people will find themselves hugging one another. On that Sunday, that was the worst. And guys, when you hug, you often do this pat in the middle of the back. That was right where my scar was. One person came up and gave me a back rub right there. I'm like, oh, not cool. But people ask me, Dave, how are you doing with this? And I'm like, oh, I'm so fine. I'm so cool with it. Because that scar on my back is a small scar compared to the scar on my arm. I'm like, oh, that's nothing. I got a bigger scar on my arm. Perspective changes everything. Too often I think we are so focused on our scars, so focused on our sins, that we neglect to see the scars of the one who gave his, every, his life for us. Too often we're focused on scarcity and, and, and what we don't have in our lives instead of worshiping the one who provides for all of our needs. Too often we're scared and, and we find ourselves in fear and we don't realize, we don't have our minds and our hearts focused in worshiping the one who is near, the all-powerful one who is near and with us whenever we call. The thing that the Lord has been telling us as a community over the last couple weeks is our vision has been too small. Our minds and our hearts have been focused on ourselves and we have to get off of ourselves and focus on the glory and the greatness of God. We have to think of ourselves less. We think of our sin. We think of our problems. Instead, we should be thinking about the righteousness of God and his glory and his goodness. We think about our problems and instead we should be thinking and worshiping about God's power and his provision over and over and over again. It is never good. It never turns out well when we are focused on ourselves. I mean, think about the Israelites. They're taken out of Egypt. God rescues them out of slavery, leads them uh, by using Moses to lead God's people. And they get on the brink of the land that God was going to give them, that God was going to bless them with. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you this land. This is yours. Pick one person from every tribe, 12 guys, send them in as spies to check out the land. They come back. Ten of them are overwhelmed with the, the fruit that's in the land, but they're also overwhelmed with the giants that are in the land, and they're like, there's no way we can defeat these guys. We are so weak. Their focus was on themselves. And in comes Joshua and Caleb, and they say, we can do this because the Lord is with us. It's powerful. One group, ten people are like, no, we're so weak. There's no way we can do that. You know what? The truth is, they were too weak to defeat the enemy. But God was with them, and they had taken their eyes off of the Lord and fixated, themse- fixated their eyes and their minds on themselves. Go back to Genesis 2. The tool of the enemy, the number one thing that the enemy wants to do is get your eyes and your minds off of God and off on yourself. In the garden, Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve were, were walking in the garden, and in comes this snake. And the serpent starts talking to Eve. And says, well, did the Lord tell you not to eat of the fruit in the, uh, of this tree? And Eve says, yeah, you know, if we eat of that, that fruit, we'll surely die. And what does the serpent say? What does the enemy say? Oh, you won't surely die. God knows that. You won't surely die. In fact, you will be like God. The tool of the enemy is to get your eyes off of the Lord and onto yourself. That's been the temptation over and over and over again throughout history to get our eyes, our focus, our gaze off of the one who created us, off of the one who saved us, and onto ourselves. And it never turns out well. But it turns out well when our gaze is focused on the Lord. When our heart is not looking downward 
at ourselves, but looking upward on the greatness and the glory of God and saying, God, I just want to consume my mind with your thoughts, with your goodness, with your greatness. I want to be filled with, with who you say you are in your word. Allow that to consume my mind instead of all the other crap that's out there in the world. And when we do that, everything changes. Another story in the Old Testament of David, the one who wrote this psalm. Think about when he went to uh, and fought Goliath. When he went to battle against Goliath, all of his brothers were cowering in fear because they were too afraid of this big giant because they were looking at themselves. And in 1 Kings, I'm going to read it. This one's not up on the screen. This was David's reaction. Actually, not 1 Kings, 1 Samuel. This was David's reaction when he went to fight Goliath. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Where was David's focus in that time of trouble? His focus was on the Lord. He says, the battle belongs to the Lord, not to me. And so his mind wasn't on his own ability, but on the ability of the one who was with them. And so Moran Park, where is your focus? What do you think about? What thoughts do you allow to consume your mind over and over and over again? Too often we think, though, that if we're just sitting and meditating, and then we're not doing anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It might give us some good thoughts in our head, but it doesn't really accomplish anything. To that, I would draw you to Psalm 1, where the psalmist says, Blessed is the one who delights in the law, who meditates on it day and night. And he says, He or she will be like a tree planted by streams of water. See, when we meditate on the word of God, when we meditate on who God is revealed in his word, there is a strength in our lives. There is a, a firmness in our lives. We are planted. We are not going to be easily swayed when things come in our lives, things that want to move us from side to side. No, meditating on, the, on God's word and on his character, on his glory and his greatness makes us planted firmly in him. But then the psalmist also goes on to say, he'll produce fruit in season. See, the thing is, what we meditate on, what we fix our thoughts on, will eventually make its way out of our mouth. And we will tell others, we will declare to others the greatness and glory of God. That's what meditation, that's what focusing our thoughts, our mind, our heart on God produces. See, we think we have to try harder and do a bunch more, but there is so much that is accomplished, so much that happens by simply being with the Lord. This week... I started off on Monday, probably like many of you, diving into Psalm 145, saying, oh, this is amazing. God is absolutely amazing. What he says about himself is so cool. This is absolutely amazing. On Tuesday, I was doing the same thing. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is, this is changing my day. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday hit and Thursday hit. And these thoughts and problems in life came crashing in. And I'm like, I don't have time to sit and think about Psalm 145. I don't have time to sit and think and meditate on the goodness and the greatness of God. And worry and fear started to creep up. And you know what I did? I took 10 minutes, sat in a parking lot before a meeting, 
put my earbuds in my ears, hooked up Psalm 145 on my phone, and played it. Now, nothing really changed in my day. Problems didn't all of a sudden get magically solved, but my heart changed. My heart softened. I started to see things differently. I started to know, oh, I got this. Not because of my strength, because of God's strength and who he is. He is near. He is right here with me because I'm calling on him. And it doesn't take a lot of time. I think that's a lie that we so often believe, that we've got to sit for hours and do that. No, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, it'll change your perspective on things as you shift your focus off of yourself and onto the greatness and glory of God. In this world that we live in, with things that are changing over and over and over again, and there's so much uncertainty, what we need to do now more than ever is plant ourselves firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. We have to plant ourselves firmly on the truth of what we read about who God says he is in his word. And so this morning, that's what I want to do for a couple minutes. I want to have the worship team come up, and they're just going to kind of play in the background. And we're going to read Psalm 145. I'm going to start at verse 7. And this time, I would like you to close your Bibles. Because I'm going to read about what God says about himself in Psalm 145. And as you hear one of those phrases where it says, the Lord is blank, I want you to think about a time in your life, and preferably just this past week, something that was just recent. But I want you to think about a time in your life when you experienced this attribute of God. And what I want you to do is remember that time and then give praise to God for that time in your life when you got to experience his love or his power or his might or his closeness firsthand. But maybe you come across an attribute and you're like, eh, I don't believe it, I don't buy it. I don't see God that way. I would simply ask that you ask the Lord to fill you with faith, to see God the way that he describes himself in scripture. And then we'll continue to worship. So close your eyes and just listen to David described the Lord. And recall times in your life when you've experienced this and give praise to the Lord for that. And if you're having trouble with any of these, just ask for faith. Ask the Lord to give you faith. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. All your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. kingdom, O oh God, is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. 
is faithful in all his words. Kind in all his works. raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. desires of those who fear him and he also hears their cry and saves them the Lord preserves all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy my mouth will speak the praises of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever on your glorious splendor, on your majesty, on your wonderful works, we will meditate. Your goodness, your compassion, your glory, your, your kindness, your mercy, those are the things that we're going to think about over and over and over again. And God, I thank you that, that as we do, you build in us a, a confidence, a joy, a love, a closeness. God, we confess that too often we think of ourselves, too often we are thinking of trivial things. Too often our mind, our gaze is not on you, but it's on things of this world, things that are fleeting, things that are temporary. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would get our minds, get our hearts off of ourselves and onto you, God, and onto your Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, that you would help us every day by the power of your Spirit to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Give us eternal perspective. Give us eyes to see, and I pray against any of the blinders, any of the ways that the enemy has prevented us from seeing you. And I ask, Lord, that you would fill us with faith today. Fill us with faith to believe what you say about yourself. And to not only believe it in our minds, but to believe it by our actions as we walk throughout the week. Call for the glory of our great King Jesus.